Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. I saw this meme last night, and I thought it was true. You can't spell adventure without Advent. And this has been one great adventure, hasn't it, my brothers and sisters? Unfortunately, the adventure feels like we're on some kind of broken-down merry-go-round spinning backwards after eating a hot pocket full of lutefisk. And if you're not familiar with lutefisk, it's the main ingredient in lutefisk. Actually, the two main ingredients is fish and liquid plumber. It is a way to ferment and hold fish for long periods of time. It's been described as fish jello, if you need visual. That's only what this event feels like this year, right? Last year we talked about how we're angry, and tell you, I'm telling you right now, my brothers and sisters, I'm angry. But that was last week. This week we're talking about Psalm 85, verse 10. In particular, steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. You know, if you're going to have an authentic advent like we're trying to do, you've got to call a thing what it is. But it's hard to admit or even feel that God has been steadfast and faithful during this time. The Hebrew word, the Hebrew phrase here is hesed wemet. Wemet. It's literally translated as steadfast loyalty. But what does that even mean, steadfast loyalty? One of the commentaries translated hesed wemet. They even use the word steadfast or loyal. Rather, use kindness and truth have met. Justice and peace have kissed. This guy, Robert Alter, talks about how these two terms are separate and turned into figures. Turn into figures like in a, in a story. Sorry, lost my place. Turn into figures like you would find in a story, along with the other pair, justice and peace, into the kind of allegory of ideal moment. The ideal moment when God's favor is restored to the land, kindness and truth, steadfast love and faithfulness, a steadfast loyalty and truth have met like two people meeting for the first time and it's perfect harmony. Steadfastness and love go hand in hand with each other. They have taken each other by the hand and are about to encounter something found only in a Hallmark Christmas movie. Kindness and truth have met, steadfast love and faithfulness have met and formed a perfect union with one another. Psalm 85 is often used during Advent because of its themes around the coming of God. Psalm 85 is often read in the same vein that Isaiah is read, which speaks of an announcement of forgiveness of sins and the promise of the inbreaking of God. The NSV translates the verbs in the psalm as a future tense. 
steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground. And righteousness will look down from the sky. But the actual Hebrew has the verbs as a perfect tense, which demonstrates a past action carried over into the present. So either the, the psalmist is remembering a time when the pa- in the past when God forgave God's people and favored the land as a present for the present plight, or the psalmist is imagining what he is about to pray for as though it were already accomplished, an accomplished fact. Either way, the fact is clear. God's steadfastness is not a past or future event. It will continue to happen as it has in the past. Many commentaries suggest that the psalm should be understood as a communal prayer for help, perhaps composed during the post-exilic period. In the first three verses, the psalmist looks back with thanksgiving at Israel's deliverance from Metzal. In verse 1b, the psalmist celebrates that God restored the fortunes of Jacob. The implication is clear. The redemption of the people in the past was alone the benevolent work of their covenant God. Psalm 85 reminds the people, reminds us, that it was God who did such work in the past on our behalf. And like Isaiah 40, and our lesson from Isaiah 64 today, such work led to the pardoning of sin. What good news that is for us today. That's all well and good. When there's not a global pandemic killing millions of people, crippling world economies, and forever changing human routine. Right now, it feels as though God has not been faithful. It feels as though we are being punished, cursed by the same covenant God spoken so highly of by the psalmist. Perhaps we are being punished for something that we did. But as I reread this psalm, I was reminded that many of the psalms not only serve as a song, but as a prayer. When Martin Luther talked about prayer, he, he used that time of prayer to quote scripture back to God, to rub the ears of God, the promises God made to Luther, to his children, to his congregants. I think in many ways a psalmist is finding him or herself in a similar situation to us. They feel as though God has abandoned them. Instead of turning their back on God, lamenting at God, yelling at God, the psalmist has taken a different approach. God, you are steadfast. You are a steadfast God. God, you are a loyal God. God, in you meets kindness and truth, justice and peace. Why, dear Lord, why does it feel like you've abandoned us? We know that is not what you do. The psalmist makes this plea and then proclaims a timeless truth. Truth from the earth will spring up as justice from the heavens look down. The Lord will grant bounty and our, lo- and our land will grant its yield. The psalmist is doing nothing other than rubbing the ears of God. The psalmist knows God to be steadfast, loyal, and kind. The psalmist knows that whatever might be falling them will pass and God will restore the people 
heaven's justice will spill over onto the earth. This coming of God, however, is not some distant hope, but instead, as verse 9 reminds us, as near. And this coming of God, steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. And the coming of God, the steadfast love of God and the faithfulness of God will be fully evident. In this coming of God, the world will be rightly ordered by God, leading to peace. In this coming of God, the world will be consumed by this newly configured arrangement. With the faithfulness of God springing up from the ground and the righteousness of God falling down from the heavens, the whole earth will be radically changed. The earth, when this day comes, will be transformed to know only justice. Justice before the Lord goes. That he set his footsteps on the way. Justice leads the way in God preparing to walk about the earth after having withdrawn from it in his wrath follows a path marked out by justice. We are so desperate for this time of transformation. Maybe we are desperate more than ever. Desperate for a time when we can gather safely. Desperate for a time when we can send our children to school and not worry what will happen to them. Desperate for a time when a mask will no longer have to cover our faces. Desperate for a time when family gatherings can be done without the threat of serious illness. We are desperate. And even us Christians, knowing that we have been redeemed and restored by our Lord's death on the cross, will still remain desperate for our Lord to come and show up, for our Lord to return. We need God to come again. We need Advent yet again every single year. Because we know that restoration and redemption lies with God. The one who promises to speak peace in our midst. The psalmist reminds us continually that this is the work of God alone. But the good news is that his salvation is near. And so we lean forward expectantly. Awaiting the day when the earth is awash with steadfast love, faithfulness, righteousness. For Advent to be authentic this year, we must admit that life just plain sucks right now. And that this time in human history has been filled with many a dark day. But our God is steadfast and loyal. Even when humanity turns their back on God, God does not turn God's back on us. But that doesn't mean humanity is not allowed to question the role of God is taking in our world. In fact, the psalmist says that should be our prayer. Turn back. Pray, God of our rescue, and undo your anger against us. Will you be forever incensed with us? Will you draw out your fury through all generations? Why you will again give us life, and your people will rejoice in you. You are allowed to feel as though God is angry at you. It's okay to pray to man God to stop, to question how much longer God won't be enraged, to wonder how long this anger will last. But the gospel truth is that God is steadfast and loyal. And God meets kindness and truth, justice and peace. And the harmony that you crave right now in your life can be found only in our God. So with the psalmist, we pray 
using similar words. Show us, O Lord, your kindness, and your rescue grant to us. Show us your kindness and rescue us. Show me your kindness and rescue me, for I know that you are more than capable and able to do so, most holy one. You have done it before. And I'm begging that you do it again. My brothers and sisters, the world will try to sell you on happiness. The world will try to tell you that it can indeed grant this justice and kindness that you crave, but the world lies. If you are seeking kindness and true justice and peace this day, if you are seeking harmony this day, it can only be found in our God who is steadfast and has promised to return and bring with himself restoration for all of God's people. With that, with that knowledge, with that gospel truth, let us boldly, and forever acclaim with one loud, booming voice, so loud that the entire world can hear it, even though we are forced to worship in isolation. Let us boldly proclaim and demand this Advent season. Amen. Come, most steadfast Lord Jesus.